Thank you for choosing Miniaturist of Baptist Church podcast. We hope you benefit from this message. If you'd like to learn more about Miniaturist of Baptist Church, please visit our website at miniaturistachurch.org. the Latin word made up of two prefixes. Re means again and vivo means to live. So revival means to live again. Amen? If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to one of the most powerful scripture verses. I believe that's in the Word of God in Second Chronicles. That's right after 1 Chronicles. <laughs> chapter, what chapter is it? 14, I believe. No, chapter 7, verse 14. Beloved, we're living in a sick nation. Sick. We've seen anarchy, civil unrest, lawlessness. Our cities have fallen under the cloud of violence and mayhem. Destruction. Crime rates are soaring. America is sick. America is in need of revival. Since 2015, there's been a 560% of increase in violent crimes. More than 400% increase and legitimate births, a quadrupling of divorces, a tripling of the percentage of children living in single-parent households, more than 200% increase in teenage suicide. Today, 30% of all births and 68% of black births are illegitimate. Even through the United States, only 6% of the world's population, we have 80% of divorces. We lead the industrialized world in murder, rape, violent crime. 80% of all the whiskey that's consumed is consumed by America. We have a, become a nation where the criminal is exalted and the victim is criticized. Where evil is called good, and good is called evil. We become a nation where the life of a small snail daughter, now you don't know what that is, that's a little fish about that long, that lives in the Tennessee River, in 1973 was passed, that that little daughter cannot be uh, destroyed, but yet we have open abortion laws. God help us. We're a nation that's marked by moral regression, anarchy, sexual revolution, and spiritual rebellion. I predict that before America is conquered from without, she's going to corrode from within. America will not die by homicide. America will die by suicide. Mark my words. 
we will not only be destroyed by what someone else does to us, but we're going to be destroyed by what we do to ourselves. Hear me, and hear me well. Americans' biggest problem is not inflation, interest rates, budget deficits, or the COVID-19. Our biggest problem is sin. America's biggest threat is not nuclear war, Antifa, Black Lives Matter. Our biggest threat is from God. America's only hope is not a better government. It's not in the Republicans. It's not in the Democrats. It's not new leadership. It's not a balanced budget. The only hope for America, and hear me and hear me well, is revival. Revival. So, with your Bibles open, and as we read... In 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, as we do every time I preach, I'd like for us to stand as we read God's Word. As I say before, we always stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. We should stand for God's Word. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. My heart's heavy this morning. I look at the church, I look at our people, I look at our nation, and it brings me to tears. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then, notice the word then, then, only then, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Amen? That's God's word. Father, Bless me this morning. Give me the power to preach your word. Unapologetic. With power. God, open up our hearts that we might receive what you have to say. Open up our minds that we may receive your word. I can't do this by myself. I'm nothing without you. Help me. In Jesus' name I pray. And God's people said. Amen. Charles Finley, a great revival preacher from yesterday years, said, All ministers should be revival ministers. And all preaching should be revival preaching. And I hope and I pray that you'll see both in the message that we preached this morning. 
There's five points to my message. Point number one is the people that desire revival. Now the verse is specific prescription to special people. And the special people says, and that's us, if my people who are called by my name See, I've already said that our only hope of survival is revival. But having said that, I want to say to you that revival must begin with us. It must begin with the church. Now, because that's where the judgment of God begins, is in the church of God. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 17, For the time has come for judgment to begin in the house of God. That's what the Word of God says. See, we need to understand something about, about revival. Revival is not for the sinner. We're all sinners. Say lost people. Revival is for the saint. See, the sinner doesn't need revival. The sinner needs regeneration. The saint needs revival. The psalmist says in Psalm chapter 85 and verse 6, Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? If the church is not right with God... We cannot be, we can't rejoice God. We can't praise God like we should if we're not right with God. Does that make sense? You know, we talk and live as if we're depending on the world or government to get things right. We say things like, if only we could elect godly people in the office that would solve the problem like politics is the answer or only if we get rid of the bars and, the, and all the whiskey drinking all these kinds of different things like alcohol is the problem only if we'd have a constitution amendment that would uh, 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 outlaw abortion uh, like abortion is the problem now all those things are serious problems but the church is not depending on America to get right. America is depending on the church to get right. We've become the silent majority. We're afraid to stand up and say what we believe. But yet we let everybody else tell us what they believe. And we sit there with spiritual lockjaw. If there's ever been a time... That we should speak up. It's today. Man, we have all types of opportunities to witness, to share, to tell people about our wonderful Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's the time that we should stand bold. It's time that we should stand up and speak out. And stop being the silent majority. I'm tired. I'm sick. I'm tired. I'm worn out of keeping my mouth shut 
when other people say they have the rights to speak up. <clears throat> See, our biggest problem is not is that we have more of the world in the church than in the church in the world. That's the problem. I much rather look for the church and find it in the world than look at the church and find the world in the church. Jesus didn't pray that the Father would take the church out of the world, but He would take the world out of the church. It's not pagan America that needs revival. It's not the baby-killing abortionist that needs a revival. It's not the liquor-selling bartenders that need revival. It's not the loose-living prostitute that needs revival. It's the lazy, lifeless, lukewarm church that needs revival. Amen. Amen. Point number two. Point number one, the people that desire revival. Point number two, the pride that deters revival. God's people who desire revival are to humble themselves. We don't know what that means. A lot of times we try to be humble and we look pitiful. See, the word humble, humble actually means to bend the knee. Literally, it's the ingredients for the revival. You see, the reason why we don't have revival is because America hasn't got low enough. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 34 and verse 18, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as a, have a contrite spirit. Proverbs 6. We're told of seven things that God hates. What's number one on the list? Pride. You see, the reason why we don't have more faith in God in America is because we don't fear God in America anymore. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It is pride that leads to disregarding, dismissing, and disobeying the Word of God. It's pride. Now, it's pride that causes us to be prayerlessness, that we don't pray enough. It's pride. Because the man that does not pray is a man that says, I can do fine without you. I'll call you when I need you. It's because of pride that we can't get along. It's because of pride churches split. It's because of pride the people of God fight with one another. 
instead of fighting with the real enemy. That's pride. And God hates it. I didn't say it. He said it. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 10 says, By pride comes only contention. By pride comes only contention. See, pride paralyzes. It polarizes. It politicizes. God hates pride. He hates it. Number one on his list, especially when it's in the church. See, it was pride that got Adam and Eve kicked out of heaven or out of the Garden of Eden. Amen. It was pride that got Lucifer kicked out of heaven. I read a story about Muhammad Ali. He got on an airplane and he was standing up in the aisle talking and laughing and entertaining the passengers. And finally the stewardess came back at him and said, Mr. Ali, uh, you have to take a seat and fasten your seatbelt because we're about to take off. And Ali swung around with a snarl and he said, Honey, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she looked at him and said, yeah, and Superman don't need an airplane either. Sit down and see it up. Amen. <laughs> Pride says, we don't need God. Humility says, I don't need anything but God. The difference. See, Point number three. The prayer that God demands. The prayer that demands revival. See, the next step that we ought to do is pray. Church, we don't pray enough. Prayer is the Christian's hotline to heaven. And it's tragic that we don't do more of it. I'll be the first one to admit it. I was always told about God's telephone number. You know what God's telephone number is? Jeremiah 33.3 Call upon me and I'll answer you. Amen? I'll tell you that the devil laughs when he sees the strongest saint standing on his feet. But he trembles when he sees the weakest saint falling on his knees. Leonard Ravenhill, a great evangelist of yesterday years, said the church is dying on its feet because it's not living on its knees. whether the pastor was here or not I would say what I'm about to say our church when we were pastoring up north or up down south at Oak Hill 
you know, we have all kinds of programs on Wednesday night, Thursday night, and everything like this. And finally, I just met with the deacons one day, and I said, man, we, you know, we need to do more, you know, to just meet and greet and eat. And so we decided, and it was a humble beginning, but it was a beginning we started, that every last Wednesday of the month, the church would meet and pray. We would, we would come into the auditorium, and sometimes I would have the women over here pray together, and the men over here, because they would share requests. The women would that sometimes the men don't need to hear, and vice versa. And so the women would pray, the men would pray. And then other times we just have a prayer time. I had people lined up at the altar. I had people laying in the aisles. And we'd pray. And, you know, we, we, we had to do it in an hour. You know. But we just let God go sometimes. And we'd hear weeping. We'd hear someone whimper. We'd hear someone chuckle. We'd hear someone under their voice say, Praise Jesus. I'm not saying that's what this church needs to do. I'm just saying that's what our church did. But we got together as a church and we prayed. You know, we didn't have masks on. We just got down on our knees or sat in a pew, if you were able, and we prayed. We had one woman, God bless her. We had a little larger church. And she would go with each pew and lay her hand on that pew and pray for the Sunday to come. Every pew she would do that. And when she was finished with all the pews, she would quietly leave. But that was her that was her mission. We need to pray. You cannot pray without having revival, and you cannot have a revival without praying. We pray we ought to seek his face. Now what that what that means is to to search out and to look intensity you know we get so formal in our prayers repetitious long winded like we want to impress everyone man prayer is just talking to God man he's my best friend I just talk to him like I'm talking to you I don't raise my voice but I talk to him some of the best times I have I was out in view golf course I'm cutting grass, sitting on that big lawnmower. Man, I mean him have some great conversations. I got my headphones on with nothing on, just a muffle the sound, and I just talked to Jesus. The Bible says in James chapter 5, 16, the effective favorite prayer of a righteous man avails much. See, we're looking for solution to our problems and we ought to be looking to God. See, because He is the solution for our problems.
You know, some of our so-called solutions to the social problems that we have today are funny if they were not so tragic. For instance, we need more money for education. So what's the solution? We legalize and promote gambling. We need to stop teenage pregnancy, so what's the solution? We hand out condoms in abortion clinics. We need to balance the budget, so what's the solution? We raise the taxes. We need to reform health care, so what's the solution? We let the government take over one-seventh of our economy for socialized medicine. We, see, we, need, we need to stop AIDS, so what's the solution? We practice safe sex. <laughs> I tell you, we need to quit rearranging the chairs on the deck of the Titanic and realize that without God, our solutions create bigger problems. Our problem is that we're living in a nation that's more interested in gold than God, than riches than righteousness than health, than holiness, than prosperity, than purity. See, our problem is that we're living in a nation that's sick. And the only way this nation is going to get cured if the church stands up. That's how come they're banning churches in California. That's how come they're trying to put handcuffs on churches all over the United States. Because they don't want the church to stand up. Number four, the purity that demonstrates revival. Stay with me. Prayer alone does not move the heart of a holy God. It must be sincere prayer that comes from the people of God by turning from our sins. It's not enough for God's people to humble themselves and pray. They must turn from their wicked ways, the Bible says. See, When it comes to revival, you cannot have your cake and eat it too. You either let go of your sins and have revival, <laughs> and a lot of times it's hard to let go of them. See? Or you can hold on to your sins and not have revival, but you can't have both. Doing both is playing church, and I'm sick of playing church. I am. You know, I'm sick of it. You know, and I, I don't think God's pleased with it. You can forsake your sin and have revival, or you can hold on to it and be as all other churches are. So many churches in the pulpit. Pastors get up and they 
talk, read, whatever they want to do, preach, whatever they call it, and everything like this. And it's like, it's like, and it was like the two old ladies were walking out of church one day, and they said, "What do you about? What do you think about the sermon?" And he said, "Well, it seemed like the furnace was on, but the blower wasn't blowing." See, mark it down. Repentance is the route. To revival and revival is the route to repentance. Charles Finley said his best definition of revival was this revival is nothing more than a new beginning in obedience to God. We become so formalized in our churches, we're afraid to express ourselves. You know, uh, we're afraid uh, we got a burden on our heart to come and kneel at the altar. Uh, people will be like E.T. and their neck will, I wonder what he did to go forward. <laughs> Boy, he must be a greater sinner than all of us. You never catch me up there kneeling down at that altar. What would the people think? And, you know, that's, that's the mindset we have today. You know, I just like that church, you know. Uh, man, if you want to say amen, say amen. If you want to clap, clap. Uh, it's like that big old church. Uh, guy came in, he was visiting, he was sitting in the back row, or about the middle of the church, and the preacher was preaching, and he found something good to say, and he goes, Amen. Praise the Lord. Gave one of these numbers. Everybody. So the preacher went on and preached a little bit more. Said something pretty good again. And the guy said, well, amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, hallelujah. That's good. And finally one of the ushers went back there and he said, Sir, you're going to have to be quiet. He says, he, the guy says, Yeah, but I'm just filled with the Holy Spirit. And the usher said, Yeah, but you didn't get it here. <laughs> So be quiet. There's only one obstacle. You know, God's more interested in giving us a revival than we are to receive one. I'm not trying to make fun of God by any means, but I think you can understand my silliness. He's sitting on the edge of his throne going, Is anybody ready? To receive what I got to give them. There's only one obstacle to revival. It's not a Tifa, Black Lives Matter. It's not humanism, socialism. It's unconfessed sin. People. Lastly. And I, we'll get out of here on time. No. Lastly, 
the promise that God delivers for revival. Now, if we meet these conditions, here's the promise that God gives. I will hear. I will forgive. And I'll heal. That's the promise. Do you believe that promise? You better believe that promise. If you don't believe that promise, how can you believe the promise is if you ask God to save you, He won't save you? That's the promise God gives. Revivals when God hears and He heals. See, as I said before, I want to give you some wonderful news. He's more eager to give revival than we are to receive it. First, God has promised, I will hear from heaven. Now, the word here means to listen to the point that moves you into action. That's what the word means. He's also promised God's forgiveness. He will forgive your sin. He will heal you. He will restore you. He will give life back to the church. He also gives a promise he'll clean your soul and he'll wipe the slate clean. What kind of deal is that? He says, I will heal your land. Now, we're sick and we need to be healed. And we need to be healed by only the only great physician can heal us. He's the only one that can heal us. Listen what Woodrow Wilson said. His last words to America was these words. Listen closely. Our civilization cannot survive maturely, materially unless we redeem or redeem spiritually. My dear friend, nothing else matters if revival does not come. We've been given a spiritual tonic for a sick nation. If we knew that someone had cancer and we had the pill to give to them, would you not give it to them? Sure you would. See, we've been given a spiritual tonic for a sick nation. It will make a sick Christians well and it will make weak churches strong. If this sick nation, the United States of America, is not admitted to the intensive care unit in heaven and operated on by the great physician, this nation's going to die. You ain't seen nothing yet, folks. You ain't seen nothing yet.
if my people will call by my name shall humble themselves and pray seek my face and turn from their wicked ways I will hear from heaven I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. The church has the ability to change the narrative of what we're now seeing. We can turn the riots into revival. You gave information about California. That was sad. But I got some good news that I heard on the news this morning. There's a pastor, Sean Forbit is his name. He's starting Let's Have Worship rallies. Just last night in Portland, Oregon, where there's been 70 days of unrest, they had revived. Last night, four to seven thousand people showed up without masks and worshiped God, and hundreds were saved. Just last night. I was listening to the news this morning, I was thinking about this message, and I got glory bumps. Not goosebumps, glory bumps. See, it can work if the people of God take it serious. Let's take it serious. And we need to help one another. I want revival. I'm tired of being the silent majority. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your promise in this message. Oh God, let it penetrate our hearts that we, as a people of God, might take your word seriously and that we might see this sick nation be revived again. Not for our glory, but for your son's glory. In Jesus' name, we pray. God's people said. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Minatrista Baptist Church is a community of Christ followers who value preaching and teaching scripture, biblical obedience, community, prayer, and evangelism. If you'd like to learn more about Minatrista Baptist Church, please visit our website at minatristachurch.org and come by for a Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you.